Okay, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Uh, we are closing in on the end of Ecclesiastes, and it's really a blessing. But will you guys, at the beginning of your song sheet, there's a prayer that we pray every week before us. It's really helped. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but it's helped lead us and guide us through Ecclesiastes, and it's been a, a beautiful thing. And it's like, I think we started this in Revelation, right? And I really have enjoyed having uh, this prayer that we can pray together, pray together and move forward from it. So will you guys pray this with me? Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our lives be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seeds, and in the evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So one of my favorite all-time characters in fiction is a man named Burley Coulter. Uh, he is one of Wendell Berry's creations. He's a character from his Port Williams series, and Burley uh, is in just about every book in the Port Williams series. He's a bit wild at times. He uh, is in, uh, known to enjoy a good bootlegged whiskey from time to time at the grandstands. If you know the story, it's hilarious. But um, he has like he loves late nights of hunting or late nights of dancing or playing music. He plays the fiddle, and he was extremely loyal to his friends and to his community and to the work that he had before him. And one of the reasons why I like him, he was always quick with a comical word about the situation that folks were in or that he was even in. He was quick to make fun of himself and other people. And it's just kind of, he brings levity to the entire story. When everybody is working hard, Burley is right there working with them, but he's also making jokes about the work and the workers uh, therein. And it's just a, it's a good time anytime Burley's around. And there's this funny scene where, um, it was one of my favorite scenes in all of Wendell Berry's books, but where Burley sets up a carnival fair or booth illegally. He gets this big water tub, and he does this without proper authorization. The fair didn't permit it. It was kind of on the outskirts. He gets this big water tub. He gets these five ducks, and uh, he gets people to pay him a dime to throw a ring over the duck's, and, over the duck's neck, and if they can do it, they win a dollar. Right. And so he's just making money hand over fist because he has this saying, he informs his nephews, he goes, do you know why they call a duck a duck? And then when they throw the rings, right, the ducks duck out of the way and the rings never land on the ducks. And so um, this this comment can be heard from uh, uttered around our, our house from time to time. It's like a duck's a duck. 
why is it a duck? Because it ducks. And it's like moments like this where this is this is like Burley's thing. And Burley was a great storyteller and he had a way with words. And this first four verses of this Ecclesiastes, I feel like could have been written by him. It could have been written by him. There's a joke in all the books that that are that he is in that it makes me think of this. Someone in every book that Burley's in, somebody asks him, Burley, do you know where you are? Well, yes, sir. Well, where are you? Well, I'm right here. I'm right here. His answer is always, I'm right here. No matter where he was, he always knew where he was because he was right here. And I could really see Burley saying, well, if the clouds are full of rain, it's going to rain. Or like where the tree lands, there it fell. To the north or to the south, that's where it is. And so I I think of this, and and it was always a joke with him. So I think... is this wisdom or is this like tomfoolery? Is this kind of just like a joke that he had, like that is in here? But I guess sometimes that wisdom can be couched in goofy sayings or like seem like a joke, but there's a lot of wisdom. But another reason I, I could see what, that this Burley could have written this section is that he as a character is okay with mystery. He's okay with walking into unknown. He could live step by step or moment by moment, not needing a plan that far in advance and and caring about the moment and paying attention to it. Um, That would uh, be enough to let the future take care of itself. And And that was his way of trusting. He was comfortable with not knowing. And um, as we have prayed in this prayer that we are walking in the arena of God's great mysteries. And Ellen Davis, one of the commentators that we've used in this series, has called it, called this section, the grace of not knowing. The grace of not knowing. And when we, were, when we are honest, we know that there is so much that we cannot know. And in that, we know that we have limits and that we don't need to find everything out. There's a huge amount of grace in not knowing what lies ahead tomorrow. Amen? If we have information about the future, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it'll affect the way we live today. Knowing the future will change us. And if we knew the route, I, I was thinking about this, if I knew the route that I'd have to take to become a pastor and remain a pastor, I, I don't think that would have been helpful. I don't think it would have been helpful to, to like learn and walk out what God has for me in this life. God's grace has been there each step of the way as I've needed it, never prior to and never behind. He's never been lagging. It's always right there as I've needed. And we can think of it like this, not knowing, not knowing everything, not knowing the times, not knowing some information frees us from the compulsion to control our situation or to secure our own advantage in every situation. This is God's grace upon us in not knowing. If we knew, then we would work everything out to work our, meet our own needs and, work, and, meet, and so that we would grow our own thing. And if we, and if we don't, uh, if we know everything, then you know what we don't need is trust in every step. And God is asking us to trust him. We'd forget that we are needy, and that's never the point. We need to remember that we are needing because we'd forget that a large part of our work is just trusting him and walking with him. 
Either that or we'd agonize over the timing of things that uh, we believe are to come. And I know that one firsthand. This text also leads to the good news of Jesus. Leads to the good news of Jesus. Something that Jesus tells us uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, actually. And the Sermon on the Mount is kind of a... I think of it as a little bit of a, like a manifesto on how we are to live in God's kingdom. Like, how do we do this thing? Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are just a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to live in this kingdom and how we are to seek first his kingdom. And this is something that we get to live out as we seek God's kingdom. It comes from Matthew 6, 5, uh, 25 through 34. And it's a bit longer reading than I usually like. Uh, in a sermon, but every word speaks to this idea of unknowing and in the unknowing that we trust God. So let me read this there. This is from Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lily of the field, lilies of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, he will not, he, uh, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But... Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And as we learn to trust God, as we learn to let go of our need for control and certainty in our life, we are certain of Jesus, but the rest of our life, We've already given it to him. It's his life, not ours. And he gets to, we've given up our right to live for our lives, live for ourselves. And in that, we live for Jesus. So we don't get to worry. Or rather, we don't have to. We get to trust that God will lead us and guide us and provide for us. We don't have to know the future, but we can trust that whatever happens, whether that be good or bad, that God is caring about us that his love is sufficient for us, that God is working out his perfect will in our lives and we trust him in his ways, not our own ways. We get to be about our work and our work is that of a life of faith. We get to live the life that God has for us and so we get to throw our bread on the water. We get to divide what you have seven or eight ways because Full clouds will rain, trees will land where they fall, and God gives breath, God takes breath, God knows our days are numbered, so are the hairs on our head, and God provides everything that we need. He leads when He leads even when we feel like we are wandering, we still get to live into the unknown. 
And in that is grace. Knowing that whatever comes, God is still in control. And that God is still good. And that his goodness and grace will endure forever right now. And that is right now is included in that forevermore. We get to have the faith that we need. And that's faith in God. We place our trust on him, standing firm on him in this shaky world. Now, we know that it isn't always easy to do, right? It is often very difficult to not worry or to put it maybe a little more positive. It's difficult to trust in God. But this is our work. This is what we get to cultivate in our heart and in our minds. As we learned in the Psalms, we work out our trust in God and we trust in his work. And when we do this, we do get to whine. We do get to cry. We do get to have feelings of sickness. We do get to sing praises, sing new songs, witness wonder, taste and see that he is good at any given moment. And oftentimes these moments of of crying and tasting and seeing that God is good are so close together. And it's important to remember that the trajectory of our life in this uncertainty and crying out is trust in God. That's our trajectory. We get to just seek to trust him. And as we seek first this kingdom of God, there will be ups and downs. There will be areas where we trust blindly and other areas where we can see clearly. Maybe that's different moments in different times. But God knew this, and Jesus lived it. And he sent his Holy Spirit to lead us in this life. The Holy Spirit often, most often, doesn't lay out a long-term, step-by-step plan. Here's your five-year, just work it out, and then I'll leave you alone, and I'll come back to you in five years. No, he leads us as we take each step. And that's what we get to do working into our hearts and lives, this trust and this faith that we can have in God, faith in His goodness and His grace and His provision. He reminds us, the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are God's children. And as God's children, we are not a disappointment to Him, but we are beloved ones. He cares more for us than the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the flowers of the fields. And I love that Ecclesiastes 11.5 reminds us that he is the one who knits us together in, his, in the mother's womb and we don't even know how he did it, but he did it. And this is how much he loves us, that God is the giver of life and he gives us life even though we know, we don't know all that goes up into making this life for us. He leads us even though we can't see any step. And the main thing is, in our trust, is that we keep walking. We keep seeking. We keep believing and allowing our faith to grow. It is a beautiful and difficult thing in this life that we have. But we get to put our hands to the plow. We get to put our hands to the plow. We get to set about the work that God has for us. Amen? This is not the type of work that we take vacation from or take sabbatical from. It is the work that God has for us in our lives. Working trust deeper and deeper and deeper into the fabric of our lives so that we can be transformed by Him. And I think, again, this is in a way that we get to be like Burley, knowing where we are. We are right here, right where God has us, We are in his hands and we are striving to walk in his ways. I love that Eugene Peterson stole um, a saying from another author that says, every step 
is an arrival. And that is how we get to live. We get to every step. We pray and we trust and we know that God is leading us. And with every step, we trust that it is a step closer to Jesus with his face shining on us and us being able to see what he has for us in this life. And not only that, but every step is driving us to our need for him at every turn. And so every step, we are arriving closer to Jesus, and we are right here where God has us. Love, uh, and I um, hate that we said that this is the, we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Um, I love it because it's a beautiful reminder, and I hate it because I don't like walking in it all, all the time. But unknown or unknowing, this mystery can help us live a life of faith. It is His grace. The ambiguities of not knowing everything can do so much to serve us in living the day-to-day life of trusting Jesus and the life that He has for us. And I pray that we can do this with joy. We can do this with strength. We can do this with longevity. I, might, I pray that we might do this under the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that we can remember these things and hold on to them as we take each step, that we might lean on Christ for all things, not taking anything for granted, and follow the Holy Spirit and allow God to speak into our lives, that we might have the courage to follow no matter what the road is. Whatever the road leads down, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We don't know if it'll be good or bad. We don't know the road that we are walking, the next step may lead to prosperity or poverty. We don't know. But as we follow, you know what we can do? Trust God that the path that God has us on will lead to His glory and the glory and good of His people may not always feel like that, but it is true. So let me close with this prayer. Let our lives be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries at all times. In Jesus' name, amen.